Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Happy Monday. July 25th, 2022, uh, winding it down this format of the podcast, uh, launching next Monday inside the Gamecocks, the show, it'll be streaming. <laughs> I have more details on that. 11 to one guest co-host the whole nine yards, uh, excited about that. Obviously, uh, you guys, I think will enjoy that. Uh, more ga- inside the Gamecocks for you, <laughs> more me and uh, my uh, friends <laughs> talking about Carolina athletics. Big weekend for South Carolina athletics. Obviously, uh, Gigi Jackson, uh, the top player uh, in the country for the class of 2023. Don't know now that he's reclassified to 2022 where exactly his rank will be, be somewhere in the top 10, I'm assuming. Uh, but I think this was like this. I compare this to if Eddie Fogler had signed Jermaine O'Neal. Um, different players, obviously. You know, they're not the same. Garnett and O'Neal are not the same as GG, uh, that kind of thing. And I don't like player comparisons too much anyway. I do them for you guys because it's an easy way mentally, I think, uh, sometimes for people to wrap their head around things. But uh, really special player, 6'9, can shoot can jump, can play defense, uh, elite talent. Um, and from Columbia, which is a spot, if you sort of look at basketball hotbeds throughout the country, there's a lot of guys that have come out of Columbia that are really, really good at basketball that have not come to South Carolina. Um, <clears throat> you could expand that to the whole state, uh, really. I mean, you know, this is a state where uh, a couple of years ago, the top two picks in the draft were both from South Carolina, uh, Zion Williamson and John Morant, neither – were Gamecocks, one went to Duke, one amazingly went to Murray State. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's been tough sledding for this program to keep the top talent at home. Um, and, you know, I am I the type of person, and, and we're going to get into the basketball roster 
for this coming season in our next segment. But uh, am I the type of person that says totally, you know, uh, unequivocally you have to sign uh, players from the state to win at South Carolina? No, no, no. But, uh, but I think facts are facts. And if you look at the history of this program since the McGuire era, you know, and the NCAA tournament teams, the few that they've had, they've all been led by in-state talent. Frank's uh, Final Four team probably had the least amount, you know, but still you got Dozier and Thornwell, two in-state kids leading the way. Uh, and then sort of an eclectic group. Dwayne Notice was from Canada. Chris Silva's from Ghana uh, via New Jersey. Mike Kotsar, Estonia. Uh, so sort of an international flavor on that team. Uh, that year, uh, in addition to the in-state guys, plus Justin Mackey was an in-state guy. Rob Felder actually played basketball in New York, but uh, was from Fort Mill, Indian land uh, originally. And uh, and then you had Keita that rotated in that ended up transferring out. I'm trying to think of all the guys that played. Hassani Gravitt was from Georgia. He was a, a uh, still, still hanging out in the NBA too, Hassani. Uh, he got better. Um, but he was a Juco kid from Georgia they got. So, you know, you look back, the the, the one Dave Odom team uh, was not necessarily uh, in-state heavy. Then went to the tr- tournament, but Carlos Powell was an in-state kid, and he led the way that year. Brandon Wallace was an in-state kid. Uh, and then you had your Trey Kellys and Torrance Kinsey's and, and guys like that from elsewhere, Ronaldo Balkman from elsewhere, uh, that kind of thing. Kinsey and Balkman, I think, were from Tampa, Florida. But uh, – you know, you, you look at it, and this is important, you know, for South Carolina to do this. And, and you do have, um, you know, some in-state guys coming back, uh, you know, or coming into the program, you know. Uh, and so we'll talk about the roster. We'll pull up the roster here in a second uh, and get going with that. Congratulations to Cam Smith, football cornerback for the Gamecocks, named to the Thorpe Award watch list. This is not a surprise. He's been getting a lot of off-season love, and rightfully so. Um, it's really good when your highly ranked recruits play at a high level. And, and I think it got lost a little bit last year that, that Cam had such a solid season. Uh, you know, because th- there were some games where, you know, the Gamecock defense, uh, as good as it was at forcing turnovers and, you know, things of that nature last year, you know, the, the, the Texas A&M comes to mind, Tennessee early, Georgia, Clemson, you know, didn't necessarily play all that great. Um, but Cam was really good, you know, and, and you, you start thinking about the bowl game where the defense had one of its better games. Uh, Cam didn't even play. Yeah, so that bodes well <laughs> for the future, you know, Sam Howell. I think they got the one long pass off for the touchdown in that game, but uh, they held Sam Howell in check in the run game all that good stuff. So, you know, hey, you're, you're actually adding a guy like Cam Smith back, uh, and you're adding this other guy too, Sherrod Green, named to the Butkus Award watch list. And I'm uh, going to talk about the linebackers uh, here in a little bit uh, as far as all that's concerned. So, you know, lots of good things going on right here the last week before uh, it's it sort of, you know, dead a little bit. The focus in, is probably football recruiting because there's a cookout this weekend and some anticipated commits uh, coming up or guys that are going to make decisions. One of those guys is Montague Rames, uh, the defensive end from Sumter, uh, a big must-have. Uh, you know, South Carolina, you know, 
where I, I don't really call anybody a must have uh, because a lot of times, you know, there are these must haves and then the guy that you have kind of as the backup ends up being better. I, I use the example um, of Mark Fields in uh, the 2015 class. That was the class that Spurrier made the comment and then it sort of had a massive amount of decommits. Spurrier's not going to be there, whatever. Uh, Fields ended up at Clemson, had a solid career, wasn't spectacular. But another guy they lost in that class from North Carolina was Jair Alexander. He flips to Louisville. didn't seem like a huge deal at the time. Uh, and he's still in the pros. Pretty doggone good player. You know, excellent elite cornerback. And then late that year, the Gamecocks picked up Rashad Fenton who's starting in the pros, Fenton Island. And so out of those three, you'd probably go Alexander one, Fenton two, Fields three right now, and it was reverse. Back then, it was probably Fields one, Fenton two, Alexander three. So, you know, there's all kinds of examples of, of guys that, you know, they are quote-unquote must-gets, and, and then, you know, it doesn't happen, but you end up with a better player. I mean – uh, I'll use another example from the Spurrier era. Matt Rowland flips to Florida. Muschamp flipped him. Um, big four-star kid out of Virginia. It was kind of a surprise for everyone at the time. He kept it quiet. Well, he gets injured, never has much of a career. And South Carolina, late in that process, flipped Sky Moore from Rutgers uh, as a linebacker. So, you know, here comes Sky Moore. You know, and, and that happened a lot during Spurrier. You know, Muschamp was a little bit different. Uh, I'd have to go look at it and, and sort of see, you know, who which guys uh, maybe ended up a little better than than people thought. I, I would say Ernest Jones uh, was probably one of those guys, you know, but he wasn't a late get. He was uh, they found him pretty early. Uh, but you know, you, you never know. So I never say there's a must get, but, but I, I always say this about in-state guys: it, it's critical. You can't lose a bunch of in-state guys. There's not that many of them now, actually. Um, and expect to build what you want to build at South Carolina. Um, you know, you lose some to Clemson, you know, that's fine. They're staying in state. Uh, Clemson, obviously, their success speaks for itself. Um, they don't recruit that heavily in state. So I think kids kind of, when they get that offer, think, wow, Clemson, that's a big deal. Um, and, and then last year, of course, uh, it was kind of a transition period, new staff at South Carolina. Uh, you know, Antonio Williams was a stinger. You know, that can't happen all the time. Uh, once is fine. Twice is fine. But uh, every now and then is fine. But that can't happen all the time. Um, but the other ones, uh, you know, were Greenville County guys. Uh, and so that's obviously Clemson should sign the top guys out of Greenville County. That's uh, that's just kind of uh, geography, right? Uh, and then they got the kid from Myrtle Beach who unfortunately had an injury uh, in the spring, I think he's going to be back, but he was really the, the receiver was really impressing for them up there. But you know, he was long gone to Clemson by the time the new staff got there. Uh, but that's one thing. What, what you want to avoid are situations like uh, Justice Boone going to Florida. You know, you can't let Florida come in and take your players. Uh, you know, every three or four years, Georgia's going to come get somebody out of the state. It's just how it is uh, historically. But, but you can't let your Floridas and Florida States and Tennessees and North Carolinas come in and, and swipe uh, in-state kids. You know, the Gamecocks did lose D.J. Get to North Carolina, but he's a UNC legacy. His dad played there. That's a different situation, in my opinion, than, 
you know, just straight up losing a, a guy and uh, from within the state. Now with Reims, uh, the crystal ball does say South Carolina. Uh, he's got teammates there. O'Donnell Fortune uh, is there from Sumter. Uh, he was one that I don't know that they've led from start to finish on, uh, but they've really done a good job of, of getting him in the fold. At the beginning, uh, Montague was uh, sort of a guy that, that, you know, talked about, well, they need to win. You know, he was uh, questioning whether or not they win. And then NC State, who got his teammate last year, was a big factor. And obviously, expectations are pretty high in Raleigh this year. Um, and they've been winning. And, and so – the staff, Sterling Lucas and, and Taylor Edwards and everybody, you know, Shane Beamer, the guys that are involved with recruiting, you know, they all had to really do a good job with Montague. So it, it looks like the Gamecocks are in good shape. So that'll be one. Uh, the, the big tree offensive lineman from Maryland, I think he's deciding on Sunday. Uh, so that's another to keep an eye on. Uh, will Maryland come in and make a push with NIL and land him and keep him home. I don't know. Uh, I, I think South Carolina is in pretty good shape there, but uh, you know, you, you just never know with a kid from out of state, uh, but the in-state uh, talent that, that, that definitely needs to be, you know, something that, uh, you know, you keep it home. And like I said, there's not a whole lot of in-state talent right now. Uh, known guys and uh, you know I was actually surprised because uh, unlike last cycle you know this cycle there weren't a whole lot of guys that popped up uh, for 2023 uh, in camp Judge Collier was really the only one there's some other guys they kind of look at but uh, it's been kind of weird you know this cycle but uh, we'll see what happens with all of that but some recruiting decisions and a big cookout uh, the end of summer I used to go to used to be his concert in Charlotte that uh, when I was in college, a friend of mine and I used to, uh, you know, go to concerts a lot. And uh, his name was Lucas, really good guy, and uh, still friends with him to this day. But they used to have the end of summer weenie roast in uh, Charlotte. And uh, I remember before school started or whatever, we'd always try to hit that up. So this is kind of a cook end of summer cookout. <laughs> the end of summer weenie roast at South Carolina. So you can uh, take that uh, – for what it's worth there, but um, certainly uh, a lot going on as far as uh, football recruiting. And then, hey, football practice gets going. It's going to be exciting, right? Uh, we always look forward to this every single uh, offseason. You know, practice gets started. You start talking about players and depth charts. Unfortunately, there's injuries that happen during that time. You get health updates. One thing Beamer did say the other day about the health of the team is that the only guy that's kind of questionable is Rick Sandage. Now, I'm going to say this about Rick. I, I feel so bad for him because during preseason practice last year, he was the Rick Sandage that flashed, you know, the Rick Sandage that had seven tackles uh, when he's forced into action versus Clemson in 18. I said defense gave up, what, 800 yards that night, but he was he was good individually. You know, the Georgia game that Carolina won, he got in there and flashed some, and he was consistently being that guy uh, when he got the injury, and he's just had setback after setback. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's got eligibility after this year. I, I think maybe he's a guy you look at, that, you, know, you know, maybe you, you just rehab it up and come back in 2023 uh, if you're not ready to roll. 
Uh, Dylan Wanham's back, uh, according to Beamer, uh, and everybody else is uh, should be good to go. Though there will be some uh, bumps and uh, bumps in the road and, and, and bruises and you know nicks and stuff like that. Uh, but hopefully, Carolina, you know, has a healthy uh, preseason because that's a key to the season. Uh, you know, I, I, I think this group, you know, is the depth ideal. No, but it never is at South Carolina. I mean, even those teams under Steve Spurrier, you know, they had to stay healthy and they knew it. Uh, and that's one of the things Spurrier did really, really well is, you know, he, if he, they had to come out in shorts on a Tuesday and not hit all week, they, they did it. Um, and, you know, some people may not agree with that approach, uh, but I'll say this, that those teams really didn't have a lot of problem, you know, until 2014, they didn't have a lot of problems playing defense under Spurrier. You know, or being physical, I didn't think. So, uh, you know, that wasn't a deal. You know, so that's uh, that's the deal there. So we'll see sort of uh, how it happens and how it unfolds uh, with preseason practice coming up. But uh, health of the roster is going to be a very, very, very key thing uh, when you're talking about um, everything in terms of the success of this season. All right. Thanks to Heritage Digital, obviously, for sponsoring the first segment. That's the, we call that the news and notes segment. All this is about to change, by the way. But uh, we do thank Heritage because they are still uh, staying on with us as an advertiser. And Cindy Searfoss is as well. Cindy Searfoss, Caldwell Banker, Kane Real Estate. Uh, Cindy's married to a dire Gamecock fan, been in the upstate of South Carolina for more than 35 years. And wants to help you with all your real estate needs. Go ask some of our listeners. They've had uh, great dealings with Cindy, uh, guy moving back home, guy leaving. I mean, you know, they all talk about uh, what a pro she is and, and how great she is at her job. Um, and so we want you guys to go out and support her if there's a need for real estate in the upstate. Sparber, Greenville County, Oconee, Pickens, Greenwood, Cherokee, uh, you name it. She's right there, like I said, hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue, 864-414-5271, or C-Searfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E.com. Cindy Searfoss, realtor, Caldwell Banker Kane, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks, and, and moving on with us uh, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, uh, which will launch, like I said, next week want to encourage everybody also uh, if you haven't done it already go sign up for carolina rise carolinarise.com uh about to announce some some deals with some players here soon uh probably mid-august uh very excited uh, about the direction that's going and the overwhelming response of the gamecock nation uh there's still room lots of room you know lots of folks out there that have been on the fence and i just encourage you guys to consider uh, joining, joining up, join the 1801 club. You get a, a nice looking car magnet, uh, for 1801 club. Uh, right now, if you give a hundred dollars a month or more, which is a step up at 1801 clubs, 1801 a month. Um, then, you know, throw in a, a free koozie, uh, some, uh, well, you get the magnet because the 1801 club's not just limited to 1801 a month. It's the first 2,500 members, uh, of Carolina rise and we're getting, Toward there, but not really. Uh, not uh, still plenty of space to go. Uh, so you get a koozie, keychains, buttons, you know, some some good swag stuff. We also have T-shirts now. Selling those, uh, 100% of the profits go to 
uh, NIL deals. We don't make a penny off of that. Uh, my brother and I uh, decided we're not, we're not getting paid, you know, uh, at least for right now, it'll have to get way huge <laughs> uh, and, and to the point where, hey, you know, it's a full-time gig keeping up with it, you know, and all that. So I uh, encourage you to join Carolyn Rice, carolynrice.com. All right, so basketball, back to basketball. Um, I, you know, the question all of a sudden, you know, there's two, two questions that I, I normally get. Uh, the first question, obviously – and I don't know, I, I call it the greedy question. Um, and I don't think it's like personality flaw greedy. I think it's more just like, hey, well, what else can happen? Uh, is who else can they get? And there's nobody really on the radar right now. But, you know, in college basketball, you know, people find players at different times. So I, I can't rule out another addition. They have space. Um, but. You know, I, I think for the purposes of, of, of this right now, you can't really count on it. Uh, so you got to kind of go through the roster. So uh, what Lamont Paris and his staff have done, they, they hit the portal pretty hard and because they lost a lot of players. And, and that's going to happen when you have a transition in college basketball, especially. Uh, I think it happens in football, too. If you look at like an LSU or, or somebody like that, you know, wow, they got hit pretty hard. Shane Beamer. Uh, in football, I think deserves a lot of credit because he largely kept most of Muschamp's guys uh, intact. Now, there were some that left uh, for the pros, and then Jamie Robinson hit the portal. But, uh, and, and uh, you know, I, you know, I, I don't, I think that was the biggest loss. How about that? You know, because, you know, Izzy was probably ready, he's ready to go. J.C. Horn was ready to go. Uh, Ernest Jones ready to go. Um, obviously, Ernest Jones started this past year. But, uh, you know, so I, th- I thought Beamer deserved a lot of credit for that. But that, that's just not something that happens uh, all the time. So, Lamont Paris had to kind of retool everything. So, you look at it, uh, you know, Ibram Adiba, uh, 6'6 wing from Coastal, averaged about 10 points a game down there. He's he's coming in, 6'6 guy. You know, it reminds me a little of Antonio Grant. I don't know if you guys remember him from back in the day. Uh, Jacoby Wright, who saw a lot of minutes last year at Point, uh, as a true freshman, he, he stuck with the program. He's still there. Uh, you got Chico Carter, who came in from Murray State. Chico, when he played, scored. But he I think he got in the doghouse because of defense or something like that. So he's back. He can score. Uh, they got a walk-on freshman, Troy Boynton, who's a guy that uh, some that was with Evansville last year, but he's uh, walking on. He was hurt all year last year. Kind of a wild card. I've heard some good things about him, but kind of a wild card there as far as this year. Uh, Trayvon Minot is back. Uh, and Minot, you know, has had some moments. Big guy to New York, 6'9", 270. Um, just needs to get better. You know, obviously, Michi Johnson comes in from Ohio State. He used to be a top 100 recruit, uh, enrolled early, actually, at Ohio State. Never really got much traction there. Uh, so he's back in major college basketball at Carolina and could be the starting point guard. Um, Hayden Brown uh, from Burns High School. Yay, Rebels. Uh, from Citadel. <sighs> Scored a lot of points for them. Kind of a, you know. 
I don't know, Michael Carrera type. I don't, I can't, I can't keep it, but he's been a guy that the, the returns from him, people are like, you don't understand how, how much, how good he is, you know? So he may end up being a big part uh, of everything. Uh, love Zachary Davis, an in-state kid coming in, 6'8 guard. Uh, probably will take some time, though. Uh, Javon Benson, 6'7", 250 guy, stuck with the program, has not played much. He's a local guy. Uh, they brought in Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk from Illinois. Uh, as a transfer, did not play a whole lot at Illinois. Uh, apparently going to medical school. Uh, probably could help with the four. Daniel Hankins Sanford is a Frank Martin recruit that stuck with the program. And he is a, he's one that everybody's like, watch out for him. You know, he could, he could end up starting and making some things happen this year. Big bodied kid from North Carolina got better and better and better. Uh, and here, here's my guy, Josh Gray, you know, six, uh, seven foot, 255 pounds, uh, athletic as the day is long. Uh, probably, you know, watching him play last year, no confidence, doesn't know how big he is, doesn't know what he can do, uh, but you can see the flashes there. Um, and sometimes guys that, that they don't have confidence, they can't put it all together, they're that big. Uh, they look, they have some really bad looking moments, you know, in basketball. But if they, the light comes on, you know, you go, wow, this isn't even the same guy. You know, perhaps the coaching change, uh, will help him a little bit, you know, he'll relax a little bit. You know, I, I, we all know Frank Martin's not easy to play for, you know, maybe Josh relaxes and understands how big he is. Uh, I think that him emerging uh, is a big key to the season. Uh, and then for Cooper, a former walk-on, can shoot pretty well. Uh, he is uh, he's uh, still on the roster right now. So you add Gigi Jackson to that group. You know, on paper, it's just kind of a – I don't know. You, you're not going to get a whole lot of love from uh, the national pundits with that. Not a lot of known guys, but then there's some guys that, you know, like I think Chico Carter and Hayden Brown. Uh, you know, what if those guys really have good year scoring? Uh, what if Michi Johnson plays like the guy that, you know, was made him a top 100 recruit at the point? What if, here's another what if, Josh Gray, the light comes on. Hank and Sanford's what they thought he was. Bosman's Verdonk is a good contributor, you know. Uh, there's all kinds of questions still about this team and this roster, but you added Gigi Jackson to it, and you're like, okay. You know, they've, there have been college basketball teams with a superstar that have great role players around him that end up making some things happen. Now, we don't know what the schedule looks like. Uh, it has not uh, been released yet. We know that they're in the Charleston Classic, which uh, it's going to be interesting for those of you that wanted Nico Medved to get the job. He's bringing the Rams down. And then Furman with Bob Ritchie, another name during the search, they're in the tournament. Uh, I think Virginia Tech is in the tournament with Mike Young. Uh, so a lot of uh, familiar names uh, in the Charleston Classic with the South Carolina Gamecocks this year. Uh, a good early test. I think I think there's a road game at Georgetown uh, as part of that uh, home and home. I think a neutral site game with Florida State in Florida, just like they did last year. Um, so yeah, there, there, there's it's going to be a challenging schedule. The SEC is not getting any easier uh, with all the talent that the, the various coaching staffs around the league have brought in. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I'm not going to predict 
20 wins here or anything, but I, I do think what Gigi Jackson gives you this year is a chance. Uh, but a lot of it largely is going to be up to how some of these other guys they've brought in and some of the guys returning like a Chico Carter and Josh Gray uh, get better and develop. Jacoby Wright is on that list. Uh, Manat hopefully uh, can, you know, give them some minutes in the post, uh, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and they're going to go play a, a pretty aggressive style of defense. That's what Lamont Paris likes to do. And then, uh, be a little less stru- – they're going to be less structured on offense than they were under Frank, uh, a little more free flow and that kind of thing. So, you know, we'll see what happens uh, with all of that, with hoops moving forward uh, as the year – first year of Lamont Paris, you know, I think there's now uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of, I guess, excitement in terms of that. You know, you get a star to stay home like G.G. Jackson, uh, you're in your first year. Uh, that's huge in terms of uh, what this program needs in basketball, men's basketball, which is interest, fans in the seat, excitement, positive energy. Uh, that just really has not been the case for a while uh, since the Final Four. You know, I think, like I've said many times, the program's kind of been stuck. You know, and I think Frank Martin sort of felt stuck. I think you look at what Frank Martin's doing now at UMass, he's been rejuvenated, ready to roll uh, up there at his wife's alma mater. Uh, and this just may be one of those things where it's just better off for everybody, you know, that they had to change. Uh, certainly getting Gigi Jackson, I think, is a uh, an enormous win uh, for Lamont Paris and the Gamecock coaching staff. Just a huge, huge deal uh, for them. Uh, we talked about Sherrod Green, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about the linebackers this year. We're going to kind of go talk about position by position. So he's named to the Buckus Award watch list and oh i I didn't mention this we haven't uh, talked about this uh bell and stogner um are on the Mackey award watch list uh for the best tight ends in the country that does not surprise me at all gene bell austin stogner um you know probably you know if georgia didn't have like those guys coming back (laughs) uh you'd probably hear the gamecocks first uh you know best tight end group uh in the sec And, and they still end up made May end up being that way. Although, from what I hear coming out of Athens, those tight ends are going to be a huge part of that offense this year. Um, oh, and I, I forgot to mention this too, and it's very sad. Um, you know, Phil Petty passing away. Um, just, uh, I did not know him personally. I, I think I've talked I talked to him a couple of times when he was assistant at East Carolina, uh, just about players and some guys he was recruiting in the state. I was doing national recruiting at the time for rivals, I believe. And um, just a sad situation. Uh, I pray for his family uh, and his legions of fans and friends and people that cared about him. Um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget the 2000 football season. You know, that was, that was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable year. So was 01, for that matter. Uh, a lot of great memories with a lot of great people uh, during that time of my life. A lot happened, you know, during that time <laughs> for me. A lot of good. So, um, you know, I, I, that was just such a, a, a good positive thing to happen to the university of South Carolina. And, you know, Phil Petty had a lot to do with it. He was a quarterback, you know, Lou Holtz had a lot of good things to say about him when asked, um, tragic situation, you know, fellow Spartanburg County native, uh, Phil Petty, Boiling Springs high school. So, 
sad, tragic, uh, and my heart goes out to him. I probably should have let off the show with that, but, um, you know, I, I, things happen over time. You have news upon news upon news. Uh, but yeah, certainly very sad, uh, about Phil Petty uh, passing away at the young age of 43. That's, uh, that's tough. It was, it was a tough day for me when it, when it happened, trying to, you know, kind of wrap my head around it. And he's kind of my age. So, you know, that's, uh, it's one of those things. Uh, anyway, uh, so linebackers, we're going to talk about linebackers. And uh, yeah, th- this position last year, like, look, you know, people, I think people are always kind of looking for something to, I don't know, blame, I guess. <laughs> Should I say blame? Should I, uh, you know, say, uh, you know, I don't know, looking for something, something to blame as far as, you know, why the run defense wasn't good. And, and you can kind of tell that there were times last year you had to sort of start Damani Staley, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, and Damani played his butt off, you know, played hard, had some really good moments for some turnovers. I'll never forget the pick six at East Carolina. Uh, son of a legend, you know, Gamecock legacy. Uh, nothing but mad respect for him. Not the fastest and most, most athletic linebacker on the field. Uh, Brad Johnson wasn't either at times. Uh, and I say that because, you know, people sometimes it's like, man, you know, why, why is he playing? Why is he starting at linebacker? If you don't know what you're doing and where you're going, you can take what's called false steps. And then you look for that when you're evaluating linebackers, how many false steps did they take and how do they recover? Well, and, and so like a, like a Debo Williams, for example, still needs to kind of learn where he's going and feel his way around. Now, he's more athletic and faster and can recover better than, than Damani, but if he takes false steps and gets out of position, I mean, the backs in this league are too fast. Uh, I mean, you, you end up just giving up droves of yards. Um, and that happened, you know, down the stretch in 2020, you know, that, that depleted you know, pandemic team. You know, they, they didn't have any linebackers. And, you know, we're talking to somebody on that staff. They're like, well, we just don't have anybody, you know, ready to roll and a linebacker. And it's, it's just so iffy there, you know. And, and even last year, you know, I was talking to a, a member of the former staff during one of the Gamecocks games. And uh, he's like, man, we missed at linebacker a bunch. And um, that's just kind of, you know, reality of it. But that's why, if you want to know why Clayton White played Devontae Staley, it's because Devontae Staley knew where he's going. And, and it worked a lot of the time. Sometimes it didn't. Uh, so when those guys get out of position, you're, you're dead. I mean, you were, you know, and thank goodness for Jalen Foster stepping up, playing the run like he did last year. Well, you know, you got another year. And uh, you, you've got Sherrod Green back. Now, Sherrod, uh, the Buckus Award list, uh, I'd say I'm a little surprised that he was on there, but it, it, you know, the kid got hurt the first game against Tennessee in 2020 when he was out there making plays. Uh, he lasted till the Georgia game, three games uh, in uh, 2021. And if you notice, you know, he got, gets hurt in that one. And, and that's when some of the big issues started uh, with giving up too many rushing yards and that kind of thing. Now you can also say, well, you played East Carolina and Eastern Illinois first two games. <laughs> and then he played Georgia. Obviously, uh, the, the issues against the run are going to happen. But 
Sherrod is a fast kid, a fast player. He's not a kid anymore. He's 20, grown man, you know, 23, 24 years old. Uh, 6'1", 233. Uh, they like his speed so much, they're probably going to line up some at nickel. Uh, Muhammad Kaba is up to 239 pounds. Uh, you know, big-time player. Plus, Brad Johnson's back. Brad caught a lot of grief last year, but I don't know that it was all on him. Uh, Six-year guy. I think this is the first time during his Gamecock career he's actually played the same spot two years in a row because he was kind of edge, and then he was Sam. And, you know, now he's a he's a will, but uh, you know you got him. All right, so then you also bring in Stone Blunt. Uh, you also bring in Donovan Westmoreland who had a good spring. You got Bam Martin Scott there that may play some edge too. Uh, Muhammad Kaba. Uh, it's a little bit different type of situation. Daryl Ware is a player, former walk on from Fort Dorchester. They really like. Um, you know, I, I thought uh, Andrew Colasurdo. Uh, from Chapman, walk on. He had a pretty good sp uh, spring game, I thought. And he's a walk on, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, so this group, I mentioned Debo Williams, he's back. So, you know, this, this group has more depth. I think they have overall more speed. And I think in a second year in a system, you know, you, you, you've got a chance uh, not to take those false steps. you got a chance to know where you're going. Uh, a little bit better and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and look, you need help from up front too. The defensive line needs to, you know, keep the line, keep the linebackers from being blocked, you know, that kind of thing. But um, I do think there's a better chance and a better outlook for this group this year, uh, just simply because uh, of the experience. I mean, if you, if you're starting Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson, those two are combined 47 years old. And then Kaba's older. You know, Kaba was a four-star prospect that hurt his knee his senior year. He really had to kind of feel his way, um, had a ways to go, but he's gotten better. You know, Daryl Ware, I mentioned, uh, mentioned uh, Debo Williams, Donovan Westmore. You know, so we'll see sort of how everything works. You know, I, Debo Williams sort of excites me just because of what he's done on special teams. You know, how he was uh, such a player that was kind of always around the ball, blocked two kicks his first game as a collegian. Um, you know, so we'll see sort of what happens there with the the Delaware native uh, Debo. So, you know, linebacker to me, like I said, it, it's sort of one of those things where uh, I'm a little bit more encouraged than, than maybe I was. Uh, at the end of last season. Okay, we're going uh, Tony Pope State Farm, and then we're going to get to the I Help Consulting mailbag. Uh, so we will see sort of, uh, you know, what happens there, uh, you know, with the mailbag. We got a lot, uh, lot going on, and uh, we'll be back right after this. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right. I Hope Consulting Mailbag is on. 
Uh, okay. You get two ways to get into the mailbag. First of all, tweet to at the big spur pod. Now please follow at the big spur pod on Twitter at inside the game on Instagram and like our Facebook page at inside the game Cox. Um, you'll want to do that uh, as soon as possible. If you enjoy the show, uh, I think we're going to be streaming on some of those platforms at least. Uh, also like, uh, Go subscribe. Uh, it's free. It's, it's a subscription, but it's free uh, to the Big Spur f- YouTube page, facebook.com slash the Big Spur. I mean, sorry, youtube.com slash the Big Spur. Uh, and that'll that'll hook you up there. You also get some video content, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll see I've been tweeting that stuff out a lot. It's that page. So just go like it. Alex Wood says JC Peach Jam is definitely in North Augusta, South Carolina. Uh, on another note, love the pod. I'm looking forward to listening daily very soon. Thanks, Alex, and uh, appreciate you. And uh, you're right. I don't know. I knew that. I don't know how that, like, escaped me. I've known that for years. Uh, but sometimes I get going. And I, uh, you know, you ever do where you kind of second guess yourself after you said something? I hope that's right. You know, I hope that's correct. So, uh, anyway, uh, thank you, Alex. He's off the Twitter line here. Uh, Gamecock Pastor says, I am speechless at the loss of Phil Petty. I was six years old in 2000, so he's the first Gamecock player I truly remember watching. He's a legend and an icon in my eyes. Uh, He was the quarterback the first time ever seeing a game live in Williams-Brice. What's your best memory of 14? Um, Probably probably the Alabama game in 01 when when he – they went five wide all of a sudden because they weren't stopping Alabama that day. Uh, Francione was the coach at Bama. And Carolina had never beaten Bama. Uh, in 2000, they had gone down there and lost to a three-win Bama team. They got Mike DeBose fired. Uh, of course, Phil came off the bench in that one. Eric Kimry started that game. Uh, it was right after the fade game. But Phil was injured and almost let him back. But, you know, you, you get to the point there and it's like well you know South Carolina's better than Bama this year you know in 01 ranked higher better record and you know they come in with Tyler Watts and some of those guys and um go up and down the field on a very good South Carolina defense uh, coached by Charlie Strong and so they couldn't stop them so it's 36-24 Alabama with nine minutes to go and Petty gets in the gun and Hits Andrea Galls on a big play. Hits Rod Trafford in the end zone for a touchdown. They had a go-ahead touchdown. Uh, there was just a lot in that game that, that was gritty and tough. And South Carolina won. That was the first time uh, in school history that they had beaten the Crimson Tide. Uh, and they came back in 04 and beat them. Lost in 05. Lost in 09 down there. Then, of course, the big 2010 win. And they hadn't played Alabama, but. I guess in, in 2019 they did at home and lost, but that was, you know, that was it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, to me, that, that was the one game I'd circle, but, you know, just like the whole year in 2000 uh, was big and he was steady. Uh, I remember when he came back from injury in 99, the last two games were Florida and Clemson at home. And I think everybody knew they were going to go 0 and 11 and, Carolina had a pretty good defense that year, but but when he came back, the defense kind of rallied and played a little better. Um, 
they lost to Spurrier in Florida 20 to three and Spurrier was upset, but didn't score more than 20. Uh, and then Clemson came to town and it was, uh, that, uh, you know, they were six, five and five. They needed a win to go to the bowl, bowl. Uh, Petty had a really good game. Carolina was able to run the ball. It was 24-21 late. I think Woody Dantzler threw a touchdown pass to, oh, Rod Gardner, who we all remember, right? Uh, and Clemson won 31-21. They carried Brad Scott off the field, whatever. that The ending of that game stunk. But I also remember, you know, thinking, well, you know, Clemson, Clemson wasn't a great football team that year, but they were a bowl team. Uh Rich Rodriguez was coordinating that offense. It was kind of the, the latest uh, futuristic thing then at that point. And I was like, you know, having Phil Petty back really made that team that year a, a little more competitive in 99, even though they lost every game. And so that would be a first memory where I said, well, Phil Petty's legit. You know, he means a lot uh, to this group. So, you know, that would be another memory of mine. But, yeah, I was pretty much broken up about it. So, that's crazy. Gamecock Pastor continues. is that unlimited transfers with immediate eligibility would make this even more the Wild Wild West. Straight up free agency with every player. Not a fan. What are your thoughts? I, You know, honestly, Gamecock Pastor, I, reading that about the, the NCAA's committee or whatever that recommended that, um, man, I don't understand what the thought process is behind that. Uh, you know, the, I'm kind of a fan of the one-time rule. Uh, I'm not a fan of, of just saying, hey, I mean, free agency for everybody, you know, because what that does too, uh, you know, and they're, they're, it's hypocritical in my opinion because you're sitting there talking about, you know, we need to get NIL out of recruiting and all that good stuff. And look, man – I don't care if, you know, there's even an enticement, right? You know, even the um, – even like if if a school just goes, you know, in other words, like the school's not going, hey, we'll give you $2 million to come here, you know. It, it, what it's going to do is even if a school has like, okay, well, we paid out this much in NIL this past year – players are going to line up to go. And, and, you know, if you're trying to get that part of it under control, why in the hell would you decide, Oh, you know, what's best is for us to just uh, say unlimited transfers, no matter what. Now, now look, is this as dramatic of a change as people may think? I don't, it's somewhere in the middle uh, because guys now can transfer if they're grad transfers. Uh, for free too so so a lot of players have you know extra transfers <laughs> left you know eric stevenson the basketball player he's playing for his fourth school at west virginia now he was able to get immediately eligible at south carolina you know coming from south carolina because he graduated uh and that was supposed to be kind of a reward for graduation or whatever well now who knows so I, you know, I don't understand the thought process. I, I, I actually don't. I, I think, you know, the one-time transfer deal is 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 fair. Uh, you know, I, I think that it's it's not it does not beneficial to the student athlete, in my opinion, from a growth and development standpoint in sports or otherwise, to just have free unlimited transfer. Um, because you're going to have guys that just 
hop from school to school and never get any traction anywhere. I can't imagine academically that would be healthy. Um, so I'm not a fan of that. That said, there's probably someone somewhere in the law office that, uh, you know, is going to ch- will challenge it. And, you know, uh, I think the NCAA is probably very afraid uh, of that. So, you know, even in the pros, because the next old school says the closer college football resembles the NFL, the worse it is for the game. Uh, even in the NFL, man, you know, you, you, you don't just go every year. You know, you don't just have unfettered free agency in the pros. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know what the thought process is there. I really don't. Uh, the, but the NCAA never ceases to amaze me. Uh, JC, I'll be in PCB hosting a camp of 100 students, and I'm busing down from Lyman on August 1st. But you better believe uh, I'll be locked in from the beach for episode one of Big Spur Pod, the show. Thank you so much, GameCap Pastor. I really love uh, that you and the others are such big fans of the podcast and what I do. I really appreciate that. Uh, so much, so much. I held consulting sponsors, the mailbag. So that's, that's all the Twitter questions. Um, and, uh, so now we go to the, the actual inbox, uh, inside the game at gmail.com. There's going to be other ways you can interact with us too. When we watch the live show. Uh, so I've told you about Daniel Owens for my help and he could save you business, your business money on credit card processing, insurance, telecom, et cetera without sacrificing quality, but you may be wondering, JC, how does this work? Well, it's simple. Call or text Daniel, 843-372-5713, and set up a quick phone call or face-to-face meeting. So then Daniel's going to examine where there may be savings. Uh, Are you paying too much for fees? Are your rates too high? Uh, And then you may be wondering, well, okay, that's cool, but how does he get paid? Well, uh, you may think, he may, we may, he may charge me a thousand dollars, only save me 500. No, 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 no. You only pay a percentage of your first year savings. And not only that, if he can't save you any money, he looks at it, you don't owe him a dime. That's right. You know, there's no fee for having the consultation and have him look at it. Hey, if you're running it well, you're running it well. Uh, and so tell Daniel you heard about it right here on the podcast 843 372 5713. I help consulting. How can I help you? And we thank Daniel. Another one staying on. Loyal listeners, loyal advertisers. Right here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Okay, so Taylor comes in. uh, Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Appreciate the inbox being full today. I know it's been a few days since we've had a show. Uh, he said that the Power Five went to an NFL-style format, 32 and 48, or 48 teams. Would South Carolina make it in? And what value would they bring? Thanks for doing what you do, Taylor. My understanding is, and look, this is a this would be a troublesome conversation, I think, right now if Carolina were sitting in the ACC. Uh, but they're not kicking anybody out of the SEC. Uh, are there some schools that maybe – would not bring as much value as maybe some other schools out there. Yes, but but look, man, you, you don't – in sports, and I know that everybody talks about the European soccer style, whatever, but in our country, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters had here, the Washington Generals, um, 
you know, the there's franchises in, in pro sports that, that struggle consistently. Uh, you know, I know the NFL has a certain amount of parity, which is how that league's structured. Uh, but your powers that be, you know, that, that nobody wants to line up and play 10 behemoths every, every week, you know. And so the, the schools that are in the SEC right now, uh, they've been part of building the league, you know, no matter who they are from Vanderbilt on up. Uh, so my understanding is they're not going anywhere unless somebody wants to leave. Now, if somebody wants to leave the league, my understanding too is that there's no exit fee <laughs> for the end. They're like, eh, fine. You want to go? We'll get somebody else. Not a big deal. Uh, so I think that when you look at it from that standpoint, um, you know, it, it, it it would have to be Carolina getting out and everything about South Carolina right now is not about, you know, getting out. It's about, you know, making things happen uh, to compete at the highest level. And I can assure you of that. Uh, So thanks uh, on that, but that's, yeah, that's just not going to happen. What value would South Carolina bring? They're already a member of the SEC. So they're sort of grandfathered in, uh, like I said, uh, and the hope is maybe, you know, you, you keep building the football program, you know, that's uh, they, they all of a sudden become much more valuable. Right. Uh, Mark says, haven't been emailing in a while. Good type of crazy in life. Good, Mark. Good to hear that. As always, if you could choose one statistic going into 2022, that would be the difference in an average season or a solid to good season. What would that be? <laughs> Rushing yards allowed. I think, um, and to a lesser extent, rushing yards, but uh, rushing yards allowed. I mean, it, it's with the way South Carolina's structured roster wise, you know, you can't just get gashed in the run game. Um, you know, because I, I think on offense, the idea is to, you know, chunk it around the yard some, but also establish the run some. Um, a lot of that depends on the offensive line, but, but I, I, I think the run defense can keep you in games, you know, in other words, you know, South Carolina secondary, uh, and their ability to force turnovers. Now you can't count on turnovers. You know, that, that was a big mistake, uh, not a big mistake, but a big factor in 2018, uh, compared to 2017 on defense that, and then the injuries depleted that entire unit by the time. Uh, the season was over, uh, you know, they didn't get the turnovers they got in 2017. 2017, that, that was a turnover-forcing group right there. Uh, shoot, Dante Sawyer led the country in forced fumbles with five that year. I mean, that was – teams put it on the ground and threw it to the Gamecocks a lot in 2017, and they didn't get them in 2018. And so there was kind of a step back from nine and four to seven and six. There's other factors there, folks, injuries being a big part of them. Uh, but you know, so you can't count on that, but I do think when you, when you look at this secondary, there, there's some ball hawks back there. There's some guys that can make some plays. Cam Smith, who we talked about earlier, Darius Rush, Marcellus Dial, uh, Devontae Reed's going to be really good. Um, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, so, so you, and then the pass rush needs to be better, but you know, there were games last year. It was really good. Uh, North Carolina and East Carolina come to mind with the pass rush. So you have to think Jordan Strong, Jordan Birch, you know, you got the dudes there, you know, so you can rush the passer. 
uh, and you got a secondary, uh, but you got to stop the run, man. You can't just, you know, you, you don't stop the run. You know, you can get in third and three all day long, and, and, and then you have the entire playbook. That happened against Tennessee last year early on, you know. And they bled him to death. So I'm going to go with rush defense, and that's a great question right there. Thank you. Um, Tristan, have you heard anything about us switching to Jordan brand? Been some rumors on Twitter. I'd put it at the rumor stage right now, Tristan. Uh, I do think that's the direction the University of South Carolina needs to go, if possible, when, uh, you know, either when the Under Armour deal, you know, I, and, and look, I, there's nothing going on that's imminent right now behind the scenes, uh, as far as I know, with Jordan Brand. Um, but I think your, your, your key to getting that deal is Dalton Staley. I mean, women buy shoes. So Nike obviously is going to be very interested. Uh, and partnering with Don Staley. Uh, and then Shane Beamer has been at a collection of Nike schools, you know, over the years and has some, uh, has some connections there. Well, I think Oklahoma was, was jump man, Jordan brand. Um, Georgia obviously is a Nike school, Virginia tech, I believe is a Nike school. Uh, so since he was here with Under Armour uh, back in 07, uh, he's been at Nike schools. So there's connections there. Uh, obviously, Gigi Jackson getting him in basketball would help something like that. I don't know if, he will, if he'll be. He's probably not going to be here by the time this changes. But uh, I, uh, I, I think you know what you want to do if you're South Carolina, you know, because because the whole idea right now around the athletics department is be unique, be authentic, you know, make this place different and good, you know, in a good way than other places. Uh, and I think that's a tremendous vision to have. Uh, and I think that resonates with players, you know, especially right now in football, that's resonating pretty big, you know. And so I think that uh, what you want to do is, you know, take something that for all sports uh, can just add a little bit of a cherry on top. You know, now look, uh, I, I think that sometimes Under Armour is a scapegoat kind of deal. Uh, do I think they need to move on from them? Yes. Uh, do I think it's like something they got to do now and uh, chalk up a big monetary loss and, you know, spend 10 million to get out of the country? No, I don't, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, I don't think Under Armour is uh, a primary factor of holding anything back. And you can look at Under Armour schools across the country that are very successful. Notre Dame has the number one recruiting class in America right now. They are an Under Armour school. Now they're Notre Dame. But, you know, Auburn in basketball doesn't have any problem recruiting. They're an Under Armour school. You know, Maryland's basketball program is really good, Under Armour school. So, I, I, you know, Texas Tech has a top 15 class, Under Armour school in football. So, uh, you know, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I, you know, as far as needing to do something right now, I think there are other things that could happen uh, that they need to kind of work on in, in the athletics department, NIO-wise especially and and that's there's some news out today they're gonna they're hiring some people I mean, they're, they're about to expand the force uh with nil and i think it's a great thing um but you know do i think that that should be something that in time happens yeah because i i think jump man you know and right now it's sort of limited to some schools but i think jump man kind of sets you apart it, it sounds weird because you're like well you got 
the greatest basketball player of all time. And I'm not getting into that debate about Jordan versus LeBron. But, you know, on a football uniform, that's weird. But uh, kids like it, so who cares? <laughs> I mean, as long as the kids like it, you know, and I, and I do think the Nike cleats are superior to just about anything else out there in the shoes. Uh, I can't wear the shoes because I've got Flintstone feet and Nikes are too narrow for me. But I'm not an, a world-class athlete either. Uh, Tristan has another question. What's the latest on Jalen Brooks? Is he going to be a factor this season or more of a backup role? He's going to have to have a really good preseason and, and all that. Now, I've always said this about Jalen. Athletically, he belongs. He's big. He's fast. He can make plays. Um, he makes plays in practice. But, you know, he's got to perform in the games. And, you know, unlike last year where, you know, he drops some passes or fails to make plays, uh, you know, there's nobody to really put in. You know, the game pass got people to put in. So, uh, I'm not ruling him out. I think he could be a big surprise, uh, to truth be told. I hated it because last year we, you know, we have had, we've had two years of Jalen Brooks and we haven't really seen him play a whole year yet. Uh, so you don't know if he'd have come on toward the end. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, I, I know he's a player that the coaching staff wanted back. Uh, experienced guy at that position that can help. So we'll see sort of what happens. Uh, Isaiah says, JC, are you doing well now that White is back on the team? As he stated, play defensive tackle or defensive end. He is a, he, uh, a tackle. Um, and he's up to 305. So all, all these guys that like listed at like 265, 270 previously, you know, they're now all up to like three something. So my dreams of him maybe playing end have been shot now. But, uh, yeah, he's um, he's three oh five man, so he's gonna play uh, outside. Uh, your edge players right now are Birch, Terrell Dawkins, um, Jordan Strawn, Tyree Johnson, who's down to two sixty five. By the way, that's good. Gilbert Edmonds, six five two fifty. Hot Rod Fenton's still there, six two two fifty, and then incoming edge uh, Brian Thomas, six two two thirty. He needs to get up to about 250, 245, 250, I think, uh, to have a shot at playing. But, um, yeah, I mean, T.J. Sanders is athletic enough to play in, but he's 300 pounds. Taka Hemingway is athletic enough to play out there. He's 295. You know, it's just one of those things that sort of uh, – DeAndre Martin, an incoming freshman that was a receiver three years ago, he's up at 305. Uh, so, how about Boogie Huntley? He's up to 6'4". He was 6'3 out of high school. Uh, I saw a picture of him. Good Lord. <laughs> Some of these guys have just been living in the weight room lately. But, yeah, Weiss, Weiss is an inside guy. Um, glad to see him make it back. And, you know, from his personal issue, I don't know what it is. So, uh, you know, I don't know if I'd say it if I did, but that's about it. Uh, on that, Noah, JC, it seems like receiver is in finally a strength again. Which receivers do you see getting the most targets and snaps? I expect Van to play a lot, but there's several others I can see being impact. Juice Wells, Corey Rucker, Amarian Brown, Xavier Leggett, Landon Sampson maybe. Uh, who else? Jalen Brooks could work his way back in. DeCarry and Joyner obviously still there. You know, Jaheim Bell, they're going to use him more, you know, in a lot of different ways. Uh, is it a strength? That's a good question. I, I, I think until it is, it isn't, Noah. So you have to see it in the games, but on paper, I mean, there's some very productive guys. 
somehow Corey Rucker made the Bolitnikoff list this year, you know, after coming over from Arkansas State. So, uh, and I've heard nothing but great things about him uh, during this uh, offseason. Uh, you know, he didn't come in for the spring, you know, like Juice did. He he came in um, came in uh, over the summer with Austin Stogner and those guys. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. I'm very curious to see how it all plays out and the playmaking ability uh, of the passing game. Because, you know, I mentioned, I mentioned run game earlier and blocking and all that. You know, I, I think last year when you look at it, especially early on, teams – Teams tended to just sell out to stop the run against Carolina and dare them to, to have any kind of dynamic anything down the field. You know, like you look at the Clemson game, how you, how you get the – you want to get a hold of Clemson, you know, defensively with their scheme. Now, they're they're just better than a lot of teams they play, you know, and I think, I think their defense last year was just better than Carolina's, to be honest. But their Carolina's offense by a mile, uh, and that's everything, coaching on down uh, in that one. But – you know, in fairness, you know, Brown didn't have enough time and they didn't, you know, the, Josh Van was hurt and limited. Uh, and, and so there was no ability to get it downfield in that one, you know, and that's how you back those guys off. You make them pay, you know, and that's not easy with Clemson, especially when Brent Venables is calling it. And, you know, from what my Clemson people tell me that, you know, Godwin's just as good. So we'll see if that's ends up being the case or not. Um, but they're still going to run that where they bring pressure and they bring it to fun defense to play in, uh, or, or whatever, but you have to make them pay, you know, cause there are holes as we all saw, uh, at times against different teams, you know, that's the teams that go and score against the Tigers are the ones that can beat them downfield in the passing game. Um, you know, cause they're, 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 when you, obviously when you send pressure, there's gaps. And, and you've got to be able to counter that. And, you know, shoot, Carolina just didn't, didn't really have an ability to do that. Um, so uh, I think that one of the keys to the run game, and you know, I know I kind of just went on a dissertation there about Clemson and their defense, uh, but in general, you know, I, I think you need Rattler and Wells and Rucker and Stogner and Bell and Brown and Leggett and whoever else, Van, all those guys uh, to step up and be threats uh, because that's going to help teams or, or that's going to cause teams to have to account. You know, you always talk about, oh, we got to account for him. You got to account for this guy, these guys, or, or they're going to make you pay. You know, the, the band's going to be playing step to the rear. Uh, and that's the idea. And then I think that opens things up for guys like Lloyd and McDowell and Bill Smith and Amos and whoever else is running the ball, Jane Bell, uh, DeCarian Joyner, uh, Spencer Rattler. Uh, if you will, uh, you know, so that that's the deal. You, you got to the teams that want to stack it up and dare you to pass. You got to make a pay. And South Carolina is much better equipped to do that this year on paper uh, than they were last year. Just just from talent. I mean, just from a, a standpoint of you, you've got Spencer Rattler throwing the ball to Juice Wells, Corey Rucker, Josh Van. Whereas last year you, you were sort of limited at that position. Uh, right on down to like Rattler's ability to kind of scramble and make plays uh, off schedule. He's been taking some some heat from one of our posters on the board a little bit about off schedule plays, and I'm like, well, you know, in college football, that's those are pretty valuable. So uh, now there's a difference between bailing too early, you know, and and I think 
we've seen quarterbacks do that, but if you have the ability to make, you know, there's a reason they work scramble drill a whole lot. Uh, and the staff actually, uh, gosh, was it Beamer that said it? Somebody said it, maybe Satterfield that said they did some research on touchdown scored in SEC games last year and touchdown passes a bunch, like a high percentage were on scramble plays. And so they've been working on that. So I, I wouldn't be so – I'm not going to be too critical of Rattler getting off schedule <laughs> as long as he's making plays. You know, it's by any means necessary. And, but, but you start doing that, then you're going to be able to run the ball. And so that's a very important part of the Carolina offense. All right, that's all the time we have. A little shorter episode. Got it in like an hour or so. Uh, don't forget the show's coming up. Uh, don't forget Carolina Rise. Uh, but most importantly, thank you guys for listening. Uh, it's it's just a just an honor uh, to have uh, folks that, that care about what I have to say <laughs> uh, about uh, the team we all follow. You know, and uh, I just wanted to thank you guys for that. Uh, I just uh, it's an honor of a lifetime to do what I do. Um, and uh, certainly looking forward to the next chapter with the show, uh, the big spurcon.com, everything that I've got going on. And uh, you guys make it happen. You guys make it work. So thank you. All right. JC Sherbert signing off inside the Game Guys podcast.